0: Thank you for listening to the Calvary Church Podcast. If this ministry has been a blessing to you, would you let us know? Send an email to mystory at toledocalvary.org. We would love to hear what God is doing in your life today. Today, we're wrapping up the series of messages that we've been in for some time now that we've called the Voices in My Head. And we've talked a lot about things like our, our thinking, our emotions, our feelings. We've talked about guilt, shame, fear. Doubt and anger and unforgiveness. We talked about inferiority and weakness and depression. Are you cheered up yet? <laughs> like, we've hit some heavy stuff. Like we, We've been walking through this. And the, the two things that we've seen that I think are super cool, one, like those, those are things that, that we face in real life, and yet it's right here in God's word. And at the same time, he gives us tools to help us with those things. So today we're going to wrap it up by looking at an interesting passage of Scripture. If, if you have your Bibles with me, turn to Psalm 73 today. Psalm 73 in your Bibles, and we're going to look at a story of a guy who had to wrestle with and walk through with some of the voices in his head. If you're like me, you know what it's like to get to a certain point in your life where as, as life goes on, and sometimes it's just, it's just because of hard work, right? And sometimes it's the, the season of life that you're in. Other times, it, it might have more to do with kind of what you have going on and the things that are happening in your world, or possibly even those voices in your head that we've been talking about, and you get to a certain point in your life where life keeps moving, and at some point, you just feel drained. Anybody? Like, you, you just feel like the life has kind of drained right out of me. You, you know what that's like if you... You've got a sink and the stopper doesn't work right, or you've got a bucket with a hole in it, or you have a swimming pool with a leak. That'd be bad, right? <laughs> and you've got that drain where things just kind of keep coming out. And many times in our lives, I think that's our experience where we're pouring ourselves out and we're pouring ourselves out, and life keeps kind of coming and going. And there's things that happen to us until we eventually get to the point where we just look at our lives and we go, that's it. I got nothing left. I'm drained. The story we're gonna look at today in Psalm 73 is a a song, it's a poem if you will, that was written by a guy named Asaph who his life was at a point like this, even to the point, and you'll see this in the very first couple of verses, where he says, I almost lost my faith. I was so drained by what was going on around me. And he's gonna walk us through a series of things that he was experiencing, that you and I experience. I think when you look at him, You'll see a lot of them have to do with these voices in our heads. And he's going through this, and it literally had drained the life right out of him in that moment as he writes this. Now, Asaph was a guy who was one of the chief musicians that was serving King David, the King of Israel at that time. So he knew about music to the point that he knew about praise. And he writes this song, someone who knows God, who teaches other to sing to God. And he says, I reached a point where I was so drained that I wanted to give up. Have you ever noticed that there's times in your life when something is drained, you need a faucet to fill it back up? Anybody? Like, just me? Okay, all right, good, good. Some of you sound kind of drained. Like there's these times when I need something to fill me back up in those moments. And what Asaph does for us in this psalm is he takes us through this process of how his life was drained and then how he was filled back up. And we're gonna look at these things today, kind of two different parts to this message. The first part is this. I wanna show you 10 things that drain us. 10 things that drain us. Some of you just immediately freaked out. 10 things. You're like, i got to be somewhere at four. No, it's not going to be that long. It's not going to be that long. 10 things that drain us. Here's what I want to do. I want to read the first kind of 16 verses of this, and I just want to show you these 10 things. Here's the reason I want to show them to you. Not to give you information overload, but so that you see that the same 10 things that he went through are things that you and I go through. In fact, you might even want to keep score. See how many of these 10 things you've experienced or maybe you are experiencing. I did it and I got a perfect score, 10 out of 10. (laughs) He walks through these 10 things that drain us, not because there's anything wrong with us, but because, and let's just say it this way, the gravity of life drains the life out of us. Life comes with a gravity, with a burden, with a pressure, with these voices in our head. And when they come, they drain us. Let me show you these things. Let's start this psalm. Psalm 73, verse 1 says this. Surely God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. Watch for this. About six times he uses the word heart in this psalm, talking about the the, the center of our lives. And that's the place oftentimes where, where we actually hear the voices in our head. He says, God is good to those who are pure in heart, but he says, but as for me, he'll say this four times, and every time he says, but as for me, he's turning your attention to something. He says, but as for me, my feet had almost slipped. I had nearly lost my foothold. The gravity of life had brought me to a place where I was so drained that I I felt like I wanted to give up. And then he starts walking through the process of where he'd been. 10 things I want to show you there. Here's here's the first one, verse 3 of Psalm 73. He says, For I envied the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. The first one he talks about here is envy. Envy is, is when I see something that someone else has and I want it and it's not mine. And if you've ever been in that place, if you allow envy to to be a a focus in your life, it literally drains your energies towards something that is not yours. And we're often quick to kind of sweep envy or jealousy just kind of under the rug. But the reality is that one of the 10 commandments is thou shalt not covet, right? That's about envy. So if God put it in the top 10, it's probably a pretty big deal. It's closely related to the second one we see here. The first one is envy. Look at verse four, and and, uh, let's see the second thing. He's talking about these other people that he's watching, and he says, they have no struggles. Their bodies are healthy and strong. They are free from common human burdens. They are not plagued by human ills. Look at him, because he's, he's there and he's looking at other people's lives and he's saying, I wish my life was like that. Look at how their life is. And he's found himself in this trap of number two, comparison. Comparison will drain the life right out of you. It's, it's the second thing. When I not only see something that someone else has, but I see who someone else is and I wish I was them. I wish I had their life. I wish my life was more like theirs. And envy and comparison come together and I think the two of them can kinda come together where we want what other people have and we wish we were who other people are and it squeezes us to the place that it drains the life right out of us. In fact, have you ever had to be in two places at the same time? Have you ever wished you could clone yourself? It's like I have to be here but I wish I was there. And the more I wish I was there, the less effective I am here. Sometimes you can be one place, but not actually be there, and you're no good in either place, right? The Bible says that that's a divided heart, or, or James calls it in James chapter one, a double minded person. And when envy and comparison come in, they split our minds to the point that we're not effective, a a double-minded person is unstable, the Bible says, in all they do. So the first two things that we see in this passage that drain us are envy, comparison, let's look for the third one, here's Psalm 73. Asaph says, therefore pride is their necklace. And they clothe themselves with violence. From their callous hearts come iniquity. Their evil imaginations have no limits. They scoff and speak with malice. With arrogance, they threaten oppression. Their mouths lay claim to heaven and their tongues take possession of the earth. Therefore, their people turn to them and drink up waters in abundance. Let's just sum all that up in in one word. They were very prideful. They were focused on themselves to the point that affected their attitudes, it affected their interactions, and when my attitude is all, it's all focused on myself, then I lose focus on some of these things. Sometimes, it's pride, but sometimes I, I call it sarcasm, or sometimes I call it humor, or sometimes I just shake my head at other people and I call it common sense, and I'm quick to be judgmental of other people when actually it's not sarcasm, It's pride. Anybody? And when I do that, it drains the life right out of me. Here's the fourth one, Psalm 73, verse 11. They say, how would God know? Does the Most High know anything? And now there begins to be this doubt where you wonder, is God there? Does God care? Is he effective? What difference does he make? And when we allow doubt to come in in a way that it pushes our faith out of the way, it drains the joy and the peace and the life right out of us. Here's the next one, verse 12. This is what the wicked are like, always free of care. They go on amassing wealth. Here's here's what's interesting. I think we all do this. There's times when we see other people... And we're confident that the grass is greener on their side of the fence. Anybody? Like we look and we go, look at them. They have no problems. Their life is so easy. Everything would be better. And we begin to, to buy into things that just aren't true. We think in ways that aren't healthy thought patterns. And I would tell you that the fifth thing that drains us, let's just call it delusion. When my perspective and my thinking does not line up with truth But I look at a situation and I start to believe what I want to believe out of it or what I wish for out of it. And when I have to keep that story up in my mind, it drains the life out of me. Here's here's the, the sixth thing, Psalm 73 verse 13. He says, surely in vain I have kept my heart pure and have washed my hands in innocence. You ever had a day where just like Asaph, you look at what you did, and you say, surely in vain I have done this. Surely in vain I have cleaned this kitchen, for it is now a mess again. <laughs> right? Do you know, right? You know what I'm talking about? And we ask that about so many things. Now, that's, that's funny because you cook and it's dirty. I mean, it's that whole thing. You got kids, you got all that. But we do that with so many places in life. Look, and for some of you, the reason you're so drained is because of discouragement. Because you're doing certain things and you're not seeing the results that you think you should see right now, whether they're realistic or unrealistic. You think things should be different and they're not. And so just like Asaph, you spend an awful lot of time going, I just, I, am I wasting my time here? And it's discouraging to be in that place and that discouragement is draining. Here's the seventh thing that he says. Look at verse 14. He says, all day long I have been afflicted. And every morning brings new punishments. Woe is me. Nobody knows the troubles I've seen. Right? You hear that there? Here's the seventh thing that I think drains the life out of us. And I know this is a little harsh, but let's just call it self-centered pity. Like when I walk around and there's a whole world around me, but everything that I focus on is me. And I miss that. There was a, a guy from Ireland, the nation of Ireland, who was coming to the United States and he was gonna visit Las Vegas and he was, he was pretty stoked about it. And his son said, his teenage son said, hey dad, let me hook you up. So he gave him one of those GoPro cameras, do you know what I'm talking about? Those really little video cameras and you're able to put them on like this, this, this handle or this stick that you can walk around with and you can use it so that you can get good pictures and so that everyone knows you're a tourist, right? That's how, that's how that works. So he gave his dad one of those cameras, one of those sticks, and then his dad gets back from Vegas and gives it to his son to do something with it, and his his son pulls up all the footage, and his dad has used this camera all over Las Vegas, and the whole time it's pointed backwards. So all of the footage of him visiting all these sites is his face, right? The whole, hey, look at that, whoa, check this out. So he saw all this stuff in the world, but the only thing you've got to see is just him. Some of us, that's our world. We got all this going on around us, but the only thing we focus on is what's right here. And when we do that, we miss out on so much. And just to be honest, it drains the life out of us. Look at what Asaph says next, verse 16. When I tried to understand all this, it troubled me deeply. Deeply. One Bible version says, I found it oppressive to me. It was a burden. It was heavy. It troubled me deeply. The eighth thing that that drains us, and I want to park here for just a minute, is what I would call anxiety. It's when, when something comes in with a pressure and a heaviness. Now, look, there's times when we're concerned. There's even times when we're worried. But some of you know anxiety where that thing just kind of keeps crawling in, it just keeps moving in, and you can't seem to get away from it. And those thoughts keep coming. And he says the language he uses, it was a burden, it was heavy, it was oppressive to me. It it affected me. It held me down. It messed me up. And I was troubled deeply. Some of you know that, and I, and I want to park here for a moment and help you to see that sometimes there's these seasons of life where these things happen. There was a lady who, who, who began to record this as it happened. She was sitting on, an, uh, on a, an airline flight in Venice, Italy, if I remember right, and she was just about to take off when all of a sudden she had this, like, pillow behind her neck, and all of a sudden she felt something, and she went like this, and there was an ant. And at the same moment she looked up, and you know those screens that are sometimes on the seat back, like international flights, you can watch a movie or whatever, you know what I'm talking about? An ant crawls across the screen. She's like, that's odd. And then as the plane takes off and they're flying, what they find out is there's ants everywhere. Like this plane is crawling with ants, and they were able to kind of take it back that somebody's carry-on luggage was infested with ants. That'll creep you out, right? The other fun part is that for the next 20 minutes of this sermon, I'm gonna watch some of you doing this. (laughs) Right? Because you just got the creepy crawly in your head. But sometimes the creepy crawly does get in our head. Right, and these thoughts just keep crawling around. And just about the time you think you've swatted it away and you've crushed that one, it comes back again. And those thoughts become oppressive to us. And anxiety has a way at times of working itself in. Look, if you weren't here last week, I would encourage you to check out the message on highs and lows last week. And we talked about how sometimes even good godly people wrestle with anxiety and fear and depression. And if you're in a place like that, don't be afraid to say to someone, hey, can you walk through this with me? Or do you know how I can help move through this season? Maybe even to talk to a professional in some way, a doctor or, or a counselor or someone who can help you to move through that season. Because these, these times come to us. He was not troubled because he was a bad person. He was troubled because sometimes things in life are troubling. Here's, here's the next thing he wrestled with two more. Verse 21. He says, When my heart was grieved and my spirit embittered, I was senseless and ignorant. I was a brute beast before you. He identifies two more things that drain us there one is grief. Number nine, On our list of 10 is grief. When I'm painfully aware of what I've lost, and that constant reminder of what I do not have anymore, it drains us. And then there's bitterness. When we've allowed the experiences of our past to affect us in ways that are negative, and we become jaded and hurt and cynical, and oftentimes unable to trust, 10 heavy things that we look at there. But Asaph very honestly says to us, look, there will be times in your life where you will have poured yourself out to such a point. And when those voices come in our head in seasons, where we find ourselves, where internally, physically, spiritually, emotionally, sometimes it's just life, good or bad, where we find ourselves drained. Anybody ever been there? Here's what I know, when there's a leak and something has drained, I need to find a way to fill it back up. When there's a drain, I have to go back to the faucet. Does that make sense? And there are times when I need to figure out how do I go back to the faucet in my life, okay? That when I'm in that place where I've been drained, that I can then come and kind of turn that faucet on and let it fill me back up. So that I'm not drained anymore. But then I will have something more inside of me than was there before. So when I'm drained, how do I turn the faucet back on? How'd he do that? (laughs) What I want to show you from what ASAP shows us in this passage, even though there's 10 things that drain us, I want to give you three faucets for filling drained lives. That when you're in a place in time and you feel like your life is drained, whether it's because of the ten voices in your head that we just looked at, or maybe it's just good life that's happening. Look, the gravity of life will always cause there to be drained. We have to choose to turn on the faucet. And Asaph does this in this passage. So let me show you three faucets for filling drained lives. Three faucets for filling drained lives. Here's the first one. Number one, it's what we'll just simply call the presence of God. There is something about the presence of God that fills us. I love this passage of scripture. And I've gone back to this over and over again. Because Asaph so honestly says, these are the things that drained me. These are the ways I was thinking and acting. You even get the feeling that at times he's disappointed in himself because of how life affected him. And then he says this, Psalm 73, verse 17. He says, I was messed up, verse 17, I entered the sanctuary of God, then I understood their final destiny. He said, I was drained until I got into God's presence. And then when I got into his sanctuary, when I was close to God, when I found God to be close to me, then in that moment, that's when I was filled up again. Anybody ever been there? Three of us. Anybody ever been there? I know you better than that. Look, there's something about the presence of God. And if you say, well, how do I find that? Let me give you just a couple of thoughts from what Asaph says to us in this passage. One is this, you gotta go where God is. Like if you wanna experience the presence of God, then you have to go where God is. Now you would say to me, isn't God everywhere? Is God everywhere? Yes, does God want you everywhere? Help me. (laughs) No, right? God doesn't endorse everywhere right and i don't just mean places i mean where you are in your life emotionally personally the choices you're making and there are times when the reason you feel far from god is because you're far from god not because he's moved but because you have and at some point you got to say god i got to choose to get close to you i got to slow down long enough god to experience your presence in my mind and in my desires and in my fears The reality is that God is looking for us to slow down and experience his presence. I'll I'll be honest with you, that's one of the reasons that I really believe that it's important that we come to church. I think it matters that we come to a place together and we worship God together, and not just because it's job security, (laughs) which it is, right? (laughs) But also because when we come together, there's power in that, in being in God's presence together. It's also important that I stop long enough and say, God, I need your presence in my life. When when I don't feel God's presence, it's not because he's gone. It's often because I've stopped thinking about his presence. And so the truth is you've got to go where God is, and I would challenge you to rest in his presence. I would challenge you not just to go where God is, but to rest In his presence, he says something interesting here. Asaph says of God, he says, yet I am always with you. You hold me by my right hand. That's an interesting thing for him to say because earlier in the psalm, he says, I had almost stumbled and slipped. See, there's something about the fact that when you acknowledge God's presence in your life, it gives you something to hold on to, especially in those times when you're tired and drained. And you can rest in his presence. And you can say, God, I need you. God, I need to find rest. And that rest isn't always in taking a nap. Wish it was, right? (laughs) That rest is sometimes just in saying, God, I need your support. God, I need your help. God, I need to be reminded that you're right here with me. I'm never more drained than when I think I'm alone. But when I know God's with me, that I have something to hold on to. I can rest in his presence. When I was in high school, my, my, my grandma lived right next door to us. She was in her 80s, I'm a teenager. We, we, uh, she'd never learned how to drive. She never drove in her life. So if she went anywhere, a good part of the time, we would have to take her. And so um, I spent a lot of time, loved my grandma and, and spent a lot of time together. And when we would get places, especially when she was older, had some mobility issues, when we would get somewhere, I'd hop out of the car and I'd go around the other side and I'd open the door and then I'd help her get out. That was just kinda kind of my, my job and I enjoyed doing that. And so I would go up to her and, and just kinda joking with her, but also then for my ego, when I would open the door, I would lean in and I would go, Grandma, take the arm of steel. Like that, that was just kind of what I would say to her. And she would typically look at me in that moment and I'd go, Grandma, take the arm of steel. And she would look at me and she'd go, Chad, hold my purse. <laughs> like it still hurts thinking about it, right? Because, like, look, lady, you got this right here. Grab hold of this. Chad, hold my purse, right? That's what she would do. How many times does God say to you, look, I know you're drained. Give me your right hand. I I can give you support, and I can help you, and I can lead you, and I can keep you from falling. And you say, God, hold my purse. (laughs) When he has so much more to give, there's power about being in God's presence. And then jump down to the end of this psalm. Because Asaph says something significant here. He says, but as for me, it is good to be near God. I have made the sovereign Lord my refuge. I will tell of all your deeds. He uses language there, not just because he's trying to show off. When he says, I have made the sovereign Lord my refuge, he is saying, I have made the one who is in control of everything. The sovereign Lord, he's the one I lean on. I know I can be in his presence when I know he's in charge of it all. Part of the reason that you and I get drained sometimes and that the voices in our head affect us the way they do is because we're still trying to control our lives. Friend of mine says it this way, we're still trying to hold on to the steering wheel of our lives. And oftentimes we'll never know true peace, we'll never know true strength, we'll never know what it's like to truly be filled until we turn on the faucet of God's presence which might mean in our lives to say to him, God, I give you the steering wheel of my life. I'm gonna scoot over into the passenger seat, and Lord, I'm gonna let you lead and direct me. God, I'm gonna let you guide me. I'm gonna go where you wanna go. The problem is, I'm quick to grab the wheel. So many times, instead of acting like he's the sovereign God, I sit over here and I act like he's 15 and a half and just got his permit, right? (laughs) I hope you know what you're doing there, little God, right? You know, that's the idea. When what you might need to do is just truly say, God, I can't do this on my own anymore. That's what we mean when we, we talk about having Jesus be our Lord. So you say, God, I can't do this on my own anymore. I give you the steering wheel of my life. I want your plans for my life. I want your peace. I want your joy. I want what you have for me. And there's such peace and hope that comes in that. When I'm willing to scoot over to the passenger seat and say, Sovereign Lord, God, this is yours. I give you the steering wheel of my life. That's when we experience his presence. And when we do, it's like a faucet that fills us back up especially in those times when we're drained. The the first thing that Asaph shows us is if you need to be filled back up, it starts with, number one, the presence of God. Here's the second thing that he shows us. Number two, it's the perspective from God. So many times, and we already saw this, part of the problem with the way that Asaph was thinking is he had the wrong perspective. Remember, it was all this comparison. Gosh, I wish I was like him. Gosh, I wish I had what she has. She has. Man, it seems like their life is so perfect, and mine, woe is me. And he had himself in this place where he just wasn't thinking right, and God had to help him to get a perspective that was true and healthy. For many of us, the reason we're drained is because we haven't been thinking right. We've been buying into things that seem like we like to think that way, but they're just not true or they're just not right. In fact, look what happens when when number two, God changes his perspective. Verse 18 of Psalm 73, he says, Surely you place them on slippery ground. You cast them down to ruin. How suddenly they are destroyed, completely swept away by terrors. They are like a dream when one awakens. When you arise, Lord, you will despise them as fantasies. He says, Look, so much of what I was believing just isn't true. If you want God's perspective, here's a few things to consider. God's perspective is found in truth. You, you have to find out what the truth is. God's perspective is found in truth. That's why the first week of this series, we, we asked some questions. If you remember, if you go back to the very first uh, one, right after Easter when we started this, this message series, we talked about our thinking. And we had to ask some questions, like the thoughts that I have. Where does this thought come from? The second question was, is it true? The third one was, am, am I in control of this thought or is this thought controlling me? And the fourth one was, where, where's this thought taking me? Like, like if, I, if I keep thinking this way, how's this gonna end up? And the reality is God's word is found in truth. And some of us are thinking in ways that just aren't right and that's why we're drained in our lives. There was a accident or something that shut down a road in Denver recently and it was a road that most people would take if they were heading to the airport. And so people are kind of worried and they got a time crunch and they're trying to get where they need to go. So people were pulling out their GPS and Google Maps started saying, hey, here's a detour that you can take around this. So some people started going that way. Well, they didn't realize that eventually this detour ended up being a private dirt road. <laughs> and they're going down this dirt road and eventually to they reach a point where it was so muddy that cars didn't get through. They didn't realize this until traffic had backed up a full hundred plus cars of people who couldn't move and were stuck there in that place because they thought this was the right way to go. Other people are doing this. This seems like the best thing, only to find themselves in a place where they not only couldn't get where they wanted to go, but they were stuck from where they'd hoped they could be. And so many times, because we think the wrong thing, we find ourselves stuck in some place what we need to find is God's truth. Truth often starts because we have to get a hold of ourselves and say, I need to stop focusing on how drained I am and start focusing on what God can do. Psalm 42 verse 11, Whoops, I got a little on there. Psalm 42 verse 11 says this, why my soul are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. We talked about this. There's times when you need to say, I've got to stop listening to myself and I've got to start talking to myself. <laughs> and i got to say to myself, I've got to stop thinking these things that just aren't right. And God, I need to start focusing on you. Things that will help us when we're drained. We get under this faucet and we allow the presence of God to fill us. And then by allowing his presence, it helps us to change our perspective, and that fills us, even to a point where even when we're drained, we can find ourselves in this place that's so important where then we are able to be full again. And life will, will have this happen. There'll be times then when we're drained. But we know we can get back to God's presence. We can get back to that place where we can be full again. The presence of God, God's perspective. Here's the third thing I want to show you. Number three, it's what we will call the praise of God. There is something that fills us when we praise God. Listen to where this took Asaph. Psalm 73, verse 25. He says, whom have I in heaven but you? And earth has nothing I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Do you see what happened? He goes from... My life almost fell apart till I got into God's presence, and he changed my perspective, and now I'm going to praise him. Here's what I've learned. When I'm really drained, when I'm really fearful, when I'm really struggling with some of those voices in my head, the very best thing I can do is to turn my attention off of myself and put it on to how great God is. Anybody else? Like, that's how you turn the faucet on is by looking off of yourself and to God. When I was a kid, they used to talk about when you praise God, you stand under the spout where the glory comes out. (laughs) Well, maybe that's not wrong. Right, when you praise God, it puts you in a place where he can fill you again. Why is that? It's because praise reminds me that God is greater than my circumstances. Look, so many times the reason I get frustrated it's because I'm focused on how big my issues are and not how big my God is. And so there's times when I've got to stop and say, God, I know I've got all this going on around me. Like, I love that song we sang this morning that says, I'll put my trust in him and I'll not be shaken. It does not say that things won't be shaking. It says, I won't be shaken because my God is bigger than my circumstances, And my trust and my confidence is in him. I've put my hope in him. And I would encourage you, there may be times when you're facing a difficult circumstance that the best thing you can do is to start a praise song in your car. Maybe it's a song that you've heard here at church, or maybe it's one that goes back to a time in your life where you remember where God was faithful and how he came through. But find ways to to allow your mind to not focus on how big your issue is, but how big your God is. That's why Asaph says, who have I in heaven but you? And then he goes on to say that there's nothing on earth I desire besides you. That that besides you means God in comparison. There's nothing that compares to you. God, you're greater than anything else. See, when I praise God, it reminds me that God is better than any substitute. And so many times I try to fill my life with things and desires and stuff and relationships and affirmation and possessions and opportunities that I think will satisfy when at the end, the o- and they're all good things, but the only thing that ever satisfies is him. Everything else leaves me drained. At some point, praise reminds me that there's no substitute for God. And praise reminds me that God is stronger than my weakness. Asaph says, Who have I in heaven but you? God, there's nothing on earth I desire besides you. He says, my heart and my flesh may fail. It's a good reminder because just the gravity of life will cause me to be drained. And my heart and my flesh may fail, but he says, God, you are the strength of my heart. When I praise God, it reminds me that God is stronger than my weakness. And one last thought, Praise reminds me that God is everything that I need. When I praise him, it reminds me that he's everything that I need. Asaph says, God, there's times when my heart and my flesh may fail. But listen to his language. He says, but God, you are the strength of my heart and my portion forever. That's a weird word to use there. God, you are my portion. You, you are a part. See, when I think of that, I, I, I think to say, God, you are all that I need, not a portion. The other day, Rhonda and I went to lunch with my mom, and after we ate, we were kind of sitting there, and I was like, you guys want, you guys want a little dessert? This, this place is supposed to have good cheesecake. Let's, let's get a little piece of cheesecake. So they, they brought us out a piece of cheesecake, and we sent center of the table, and we each had a few bites. So like I got a third and Ron got a third, and my mom, my mom got a third and each of us had a portion of that piece of cheesecake. It was very good. When we go back, there will be no portions. There will be all, right? You two can have what you want. I want no portion, I want all. So this word doesn't make sense to me. Why would you say, God, you are a third of my cheesecake forever? It doesn't make any sense to me, but it does to Asaph. See, when this guy Asaph wrote that psalm, he's a priest. And a priest was different than the other people in Israel. If you were a priest in God's service in that time, you you didn't have a a farm, and you didn't have a carpenter's shop, and you didn't have a side business, and you, you didn't have any way to make money. Your service was there to God in the temple and in that time, the only way you could be provided for was when people brought sacrifices. And when people brought those sacrifices, what they would do is they would take part of that sacrifice and they would like burn it on an altar and they would give it to God and then God had designed something special for them. He says, here's what we'll do. We'll take a part of that sacrifice and we're gonna give that to the priest because that is, watch the word here, that is the priest's portion. Like that's the part that belongs to him. That's the part that God provides for him. So when Asaph sings this song he wrote, he does not say, God, you are my third of a cheesecake forever. He says, God, you're my everything. God, you're the one who provides for me. God, you're the one that when I'm drained, fills me up god when i need something i know i can come to you and i know that even though my heart and my flesh will fail god you have everything that i need and he says this god i'm drained but i praise you because you're my everything forever and you know what happens to asaph he's drained in the first 16 verses but he's filled up at the end but he recognized that in god's presence with the perspective of God's truth as he praised him, what was drained, the faucet was turned on and he got filled again. So for some of you, this is is really good truth from God's word because there's times in your life when you're prone to be drained and it's good for you to remember that as I'm driving in my car or I'm thinking about what's going on around me, I can say, God, I praise you. I need you to fill me back up. But some of you, it's not just good. Some of you, it's now. Like we went through those 10 things and you said, me, me, me. (laughs) I'm drained right now in my life. And today's the day where God says to you, I wanna turn that faucet on and I wanna fill you up in ways that you can't even imagine. And the best way for us to do that is to praise him. So can I ask this would you stand with me whether you're here in this room or you're in auditorium too or even if you're watching this on a screen somewhere. And can I invite you to do this if you're comfortable would you just lift your hands to the Lord right now? And especially if you're drained today, would you right now just begin, God, we need you. God, my heart and my flesh fail sometimes, but you're my strength Lord. You're my portion. You're my everything. And God, I need you today. Father, in these moments, we praise you. God, in this moment, we look to you. We ask that as we sing this song and as we lift these praises to you, Father, would you allow us in the places where we're drained to be filled by your presence? Would you give us truth from your perspective? God, we praise you today as you fill us up. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's praise him today. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. that whole idea of praise might be a little bit new. Like, you might you might like music and you might like God. You just had a hard time connecting two of them at times, right? Or expressing yourself in some way to say, God, I, I just need you. Can I encourage you, whether it's in this room or in your car or in your basement or at your house or wherever, would you open yourself up in ways maybe like you haven't before to be open and say, God, I need you. Maybe for some of you, that's, that's, that's again, it's in this room or it's in this building or it's somewhere else, that you lift your hands to the Lord. Maybe for the first time, and you say, God, I'm gonna follow what scripture says about this and I'm just gonna praise you. And God, I'm gonna speak to other people about who you are. And God, I'm gonna acknowledge you because there's something powerful when I'm drained and I take the attention off of me and put it onto him that he somehow pours something back into me. And so, Father, we praise you today. We lift our voices, we lift our hands, we lift ourselves to you. Lord, we need your presence. And so we praise you today. Lord, for the one who's drained, would you fill him up? God, would you help us to know you at work and moving in our lives? God, thanks for your word that encourages us. Thanks for your presence that strengthens us. As we go from here, we ask that you would go with us. Father, would you send us out with your special favor? with your wonderful peace. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Again, no services this Wednesday night, but we'll see you next Sunday. Thanks for being here. Have a great week.